and welcome to the podcast. Think of a bicycle. Two wheels, handlebars, a seat, pedals. These things immediately spring to mind. Think a little more and you're aware of handlebar grips, a chain, maybe handbrakes, and a gear shifter. Think a little more and maybe you're aware of grooves in the tires, rust on the chain, air valves on the inside of the wheel rims. You could break up a sentence about a bicycle into two parts, a subject and a predicate. You could start with the subject, a bicycle. You could finish with the predicate, has two wheels. Think of all the predicates you could attach to the subject, a bicycle. For example, a bicycle has two wheels, has a seat, has handlebars, has a chain, has pedals. In thinking the concept bicycle, a manifold of presentation springs forth. The manifold includes two wheels, a seat, handlebars, a chain, pedals, etc. And depending on your experience with bicycles, the manifold is larger or smaller. Most people think the manifold of predicates, wheels, handlebars, and a seat into the concept of bicycle immediately. A professional cyclist, however, will immediately think a much larger manifold into the concept of bicycle when, say, bicycle as a topic of conversation comes up. In other words, the cyclist's concept of a bicycle is larger, some might say more complete. Hopefully, however, you can see how the notion of completeness in this sense is problematic. Now, think of a city street scene with pedestrians, cars, buildings, and of course, bicycles. What kind of image is formed in your mind? Certainly the image of a bicycle in this sense is different than the one you had moments ago in thinking of your general concept of a bicycle. There's likely a rider attached to this image. Probably the wheels are rotating and the rider cycle pair are moving past other objects. You likely aren't thinking of a bicycle viewed side-on, wheels not moving at all, placed directly in the center of your field of view, as you would when considering the concept of an object in an abstract way. Now imagine you're really there, and there's an accident. A cyclist weaves his way through gridlocked traffic skillfully, but in a case of bad timing and poor judgment, a taxi driver's side door opens and its driver leans out to spit onto the asphalt. He's struck in the head by the bicycle and the cyclist goes flying over the door and lands on the street with a thud. Its owner having been knocked unconscious, the driver's foot comes off of the brake pedal and the taxi rolls toward the dazed cyclist. Later, when describing the terrible scene to a friend, you talk about a person on a bike, a taxi driver and a car door when considering the initial moments, and a person lying in the street and a rolling car for the final moments. You think of the incident as a single event made up of key moments. Though you are aware of the bicycle spinning wheels, the pumping of the cyclist's legs, the noise of traffic and voices, the whole manifold of presentations making up each moment, you likely wouldn't bring them up in an initial accounting of the event. You didn't think of the bicycle as a single object, nor did you consider the taxi in that way. The scene was a unity of presentations that manifested as a single presentation in your mind. After the fact, we're able to consider all of the constituent objects of the scene and their individual trajectories through space and time. But the subjective nature of experience in general allows us to see combinations of objects and moments as totalities that make up individual units of life. Objects are presented to us as appearances, the manifold of various presentations associated with the appearances, color, brightness, dimness, texture, and variations in intensity, are brought together in a unified presentation of the object, and the presentations of the various objects you take to be all around you are treated by synthesis in the same way. And there's a synthesis of this manifold of presentations that allows them to be united in one single presentation of a complete moment, and of course the resulting synthesis leads to recognition through concepts. 
In the last episode, we listened to Kant explain his idea of a threefold synthesis that is necessary for all cognition. The first synthesis, as he calls it, the synthesis of apprehension and intuition, recall he says, quote, Every intuition contains a manifold, yet this manifold would not be presented as such if the mind did not in the sequence of impressions following one another distinguish time. For any presentation as contained in one instant can never be anything but absolute unity. Now in order for this manifold to become unity of intuition, as e.g. in the presentation of space, it must first be gone through and gathered together. This act I call the synthesis of apprehension, for it is aimed directly at intuition. And although intuition offers a manifold, yet intuition can never bring this manifold about as a manifold and as contained moreover in one presentation unless a synthesis occurs in this process. Unquote. In the accident scene we imagined a few minutes ago, each element of the scene or the event is a moment. And the elements of each moment are the various presentations of objects. And the elements of the various presentations of objects are the presentations of the features of those objects. The spokes of the wheels of the bicycle, the wheels themselves, the rider. When we think of the fundamental elements of one of the primary components of this experience, we don't go too deeply into detail. But at some basic level, we guess that they were all processed mentally down below. By the time any of the combination reached awareness, the single presentation was of a person on a bike. And given our experience of city street scenes, this seems quite natural. What would our experience be like if we were aware of every detail of every moment with equal intensity? The various presentations that went into making up the person on the bike were brought together first by the synthesis of apprehension. Yet there's more to any one moment that makes up this incident than just the person on the bike. There's the taxi, the other cars, the sounds of the city street, the buildings. Each are unified presentations made up of other presentations. And all of these presentations are gathered together to create one snapshot, an image of the city street at a particular moment in time. But if each moment in time wasn't recognized as the scene unfolded, as being connected to the previous moment, all of our thoughts would be disjoint and we wouldn't be conscious of things as permanent or continuous. There must be something that takes place in the mind that brings each moment into connection with the next. Moreover, the previous moment, having been brought into connection with the moment before that one, and that one having been brought into connection with its previous moment, is not just a snapshot in space and time, but itself is a collection of previous moments, all having been synthesized into what seems to be one continuous stream of moments, the confluence of past and present that makes awareness possible. This second synthesis Kant calls the synthesis of reproduction in imagination. He says, quote, there is a natural law whereby presentations that have often followed or accompanied one another will finally associate, and thereby enter into connection with one another. By this connection, even without the objects being present, one of these presentations brings about a transition by the mind, according to a constant rule to the other presentation. Now this law of reproduction is indeed merely empirical. It presupposes, however, that appearances themselves are actually subject to such a rule, and that such accompanying or following actually takes place in conformity with certain rules in the manifold of the presentations of these appearances. For otherwise, our empirical imagination would never get to do anything conforming to its ability, and hence would, like a defunct ability unknown even to ourselves, remain hidden in the mind's interior. Unquote. The person on the bike weaves through traffic, zipping behind, in front of, and in between cars, all of which are stopped completely in the morning rush hour traffic. With each moment, a sense of worry builds within you. You're aware of the potential for things to go wrong, which of course they do. 
Without the synthesis of reproduction in imagination, however, you might notice the cyclist one moment and be completely unaware of him in the next. It seems, given the logic here, you wouldn't even be able to recognize him as a cyclist, or the bicycle as a bicycle, though Kant didn't state that explicitly. To be aware that what we are thinking now is the same as what we thought a microsecond before, there has to be a rule by which presentations are reproduced and brought into connection with new presentations. Kant gives us this third synthesis, which he calls the synthesis of recognition in the concept. He says, quote, We find, however, that our thought of the reference of all cognition to its object carries with it something concerning necessity. It does so inasmuch as this object is regarded as what keeps our cognitions from being determined haphazardly or arbitrarily, and as what ensures rather that they are determined a priori in a certain way. For these cognitions are to refer to an object, and hence in reference to this object they must also necessarily agree with one another, i.e. they must have that unity in which the concept of an object consists. Unquote. Each successive moment in time brings another in a sequence of presentations. The cyclist moving through traffic is the object of your presentations. Your cognitions refer to this object, and each successive presentation of it has to be in line with the previous moment's presentation. This is possible through concepts. That the cyclist is seen to move through traffic in the way that he does is completely natural. We don't have to consult our concept of a cyclist to make sure that nothing funny is going on with our presentations. However, if the cyclist were to suddenly leave the bicycle and shoot straight up into the sky, we might immediately be reminded of a comic book superhero, if the concept of such a fictional character is all that we have that can be associated with the bizarre event we've just witnessed. Anyway, I hope this clarifies things a bit concerning Kant's threefold synthesis. Next time, we'll get into the notions of self and personal identity as Kant sees them. Until then, as always, thanks for listening.